Hi, it's Dom here, pastor at Assemble Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged, inspired, and equipped to live out the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message today. There we go. Just get you warmed up. I know you're all awake now, or some of you are, four of you, four of you are awake. Uh, today we're going to be talking uh, a little bit about John, uh, and I'm going to cheat a little bit today. So this is how it's going to go, and if you don't like it, I've got the microphone, so uh, sucks to be you. Uh, this is how it's going to go today. We're going to talk a little bit about John 21, but because Dominic did such an amazing job a couple of weeks ago and literally stole the whole of John 21 from me, um, I'm doing it a little bit differently and we're talking about encounters this morning, and I'm going to share a little bit of my story and how I first encountered Jesus in the hope that it will encourage some of you to explore some encountering of Jesus. Is that okay? Awesome. Well, Ollie thinks it sounds good, so that is good. And Ollie sounded awesome this morning, as did the rest of the guys. Um, I love playing drums, yeah, that is me at the back normally on a Sunday, playing drums. So I thought, if I can't be loud and play drums today, I'll just wear a loud shirt instead. Got to do something loud. Just a little bit of scene setting. So we're in John 21. We're going to get some of the verses up on the board in a second. And we're looking at the account of the third time that Jesus appears to the disciples after his resurrection. We're going to get straight into it. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. I love the way John explains it. This is what's going to happen. This is how it happened. He's just trying to prove that he was there. That's all he's doing. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, I'd have kept Didymus, I like Didymus, just means twin by the way, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. Hang on. How many times did he appear to them again? They're not quite getting it, are they? Not quite getting it. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Now, I think this is particularly cruel of Jesus because he could clearly see they'd not caught anything. I'm like, you could just imagine them there, can't you? Just on the shore went, caught nothing, mate, have you? You've caught nothing. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. I want to know how they answered that. Are they like, no? Or are they like, no, you knew that. Why are you asking us in that way? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off. And jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. For they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. It's about 90 metres for younger people. Uh, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon and Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. 
But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? I thought they'd already kind of worked that out. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. That's reminiscent, isn't it? We've heard that recently. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Brilliant story, but also at the same time quite unremarkable, isn't it? Uh, You know, he helped them catch 153 fish. Well, you know, earlier on in the books, he kind of fed 5,000 people and more with a few fish. So in the grand scale of miracles, it's kind of... It's it's pretty awesome, but it's it's okay. But it's not really about that at all. It's not really about the number of fish. It's not really about the the size of the fish and all of that kind of stuff. It was about another opportunity to connect with his disciples. Who loves the barbecue? Yeah, right. Sorry, a braai. If you're South African, get it right. All right. Who look? We love a barbecue. We had a, a worship team barbecue yesterday. Amazing. Um, I'm not sure Jesus would have handled the hot sauce that we were having yesterday. I'm not sure he would have done. I'm not sure he would have been silly enough to do that. To be fair, he's got nothing to prove. All right. Um, we love to gather together over food, don't we? And as a church, we love to gather together over food. And this story really isn't about the kind of amount of fish and all that. People find try to find all kinds of meaning in that, but this is about Jesus connecting again with his friends. And I'm just going to share a little story about how I first connected with Jesus. You okay with that? Right, now my accent is local-ish, I think. I sound quite Newark. I grew up in Newark from about the age of seven. Before that, I was born in a little town called St. Asif. Let's do the school thing. Everyone say St. Asif. Excellent. Now I know you're awake again. St. Asif, amazing little place. Um, born there, I'm not going to say how long ago it was. It was a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. So it was, yeah, a long time ago. I was born in St. Asif. And uh, I was born to a teenage mum and a dad that kind of didn't want to stick around. So there I was, little me, and little mum. And my mum is little. She's about this big. She's tiny. Um... If we can pray for my mum, is that okay? I just found out she's ill overnight. But um, if we can pray for her, that would be great. Um, But she's an amazing lady. So she had me. And we didn't really have anywhere to go. So I was brought up for the first few years of my life in a convent. Anyone know what a convent is? Yeah. So I was brought up by nuns. It's a bit weird. A little bit strange. So I was brought up by nuns, uh, in particular a nun called Sister Catherine, who I did meet a little bit later on as well. Sister Catherine was a phenomenal, phenomenal person. Um, and then my mum uh, met a guy and had another couple of kids. I'm one of nine. Okay, you see where this is going, right? I'm one of nine kids in total. I've not always known all of them, and we're kind of disparate. We're like the Jews, we spread out all over the place. We're everywhere. We're a diaspora in our family. We're everywhere. Um, so one of nine, and we got kind of brought up in that kind of situation. Then my mum met and married a guy and had two more kids, and we lived in Wales. We, we stayed living in North Wales, so I'm Welsh through and through. And 
didn't have, we're not going to go into loads of details because you don't need to hear that stuff, but it wasn't great. Let's just say it wasn't great. So I found myself uh, about six or seven years old in the back of a police car. I hadn't been naughty. Just saying, hadn't been naughty. In the back of a police car, being brought to Newark because this is where my grandparents lived as a place of safety. Okay, because I'd been injured by uh, somebody uh, that I live with. So we were brought up here uh, as for a place of safety. So that's how I got to be in Newark. So I did a little bit more growing up in Newark. My mum met another guy and had some more kids. So by now we were growing and it was exciting. Um, I lived, I've lived all over Newark, so uh, I've lived on Hortonville Estate. Woo! Who's on Hortonville? Come on, love Hortonville. Lived on Hortonville Estate. Uh, lived on York Drive. Anyone from York Drive? Lived on York Drive. Anybody ever lived? We've lived in a weird place called the Hollies, which is on Barnby Road, and that's that was kind of a, a shelter. So what would happen is, and this is, I'm not dissing my mum. I love my mum. Okay, not this, but she was rubbish at paying rent. Right? She was really, really bad at like paying bills and stuff. So what used to happen is we would live somewhere and then no bills would be paid and then we'd be like hiding behind the sofa when people came around to collect money and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, great. Um, and invariably, she'd just get thrown out. Uh, so we would end up living in like, in like a shelter, in a homeless shelter or somewhere like that. And that happened kind of a few times. So we, we were kind of here, there and everywhere. Um, it was interesting. It was really interesting. Anyway, so I got to be kind of a teenager, and I came to this school, this very school. They probably wouldn't have let me stand up here when I was in this school, okay? Um, and really amazingly, a few years later, um, I actually became a governor at this school, which was amazing. It was, it was, yeah, but anyway, that's something else God did. Okay, so I came to this school, um, when I say I came to this school, what I meant was I was enrolled in this school. <laughs> I was enrolled in this school. I'm not trying to do the cool thing, oh, I never went to go. I really didn't. Um, I remember we used to have an, an amazing lady called Kate Lodder, who was like a, an EWO, an educational welfare officer. And she spent days and days chasing me around York Drive, uh, trying, to get me, <laughs> trying to get me to come into school and... Uh, she was lovely, but not great at a job because she never, she, well, it didn't work on me. It didn't work on me. Uh, but I remember one day, and um, apologies if some of you have heard this before, but it just, I just felt that some people need to hear this today. Um, I was just going about my ordinary business one day. The disciples were just going about their ordinary business one day. They were fishermen. Or not, they weren't all fishermen like by trade, but they kind of knew what they were doing. They were just going about their daily business. They were going about doing what they, they could do because they were kind of in limbo. They weren't sure kind of what was happening. They were just going about their daily business. And one day I was going about my daily business. I was going about my daily business of not going to school and walking home the same way as though I'd been to school because that way you got home at the same time every time and mums didn't get suspicious. Clever, right? Clever. Except this day... Um, this guy kind of gave me an invitation to church. And I'm like, who is this guy? This guy was a bit weird, I'll be honest. Uh, like a lot of Christians, to be fair. We are weird, right? This guy, he had weird blue glasses on and bald head. And he said, hey, come to church. I'm like, 
Yeah, right. Um, anyway, uh, I didn't have much to do. Uh, believe it or not, I had not many friends. Because I never went to school and did anything. So I didn't have many friends. So I'm like, you know what? I might just go. I might just go. So I went. So I went to this church, um, and it was on Sherwood Avenue at the time. And sometimes it's not even there anymore. So we drive past it, and I can't like, oh, that was the church I went to. It's not even there. It's, it's like a car park. It's a bit random. A bit random. Most most old churches are like antique shops, aren't they? Stuff like that. But no, ours was a car park. There we go. So uh, I went to church that day, and I met some incredible people. I met people like Richard Cobb and guys like that. Right? I met some absolutely incredible people. And the reason they were incredible is because they accepted me for who I was. I was a complete and utter reprobate. I was an absolute... So I was nodding. So I was, so I was like, yes, he still is. Uh, I, was a, I was an absolute nightmare. I wasn't kind of really horrible and didn't shout and swear at people and go around punching people or anything like that, but I was just really super cheeky. Super cheeky. I would wind people right, and I just, I'd know just what to say. So Sal's mom, I'll give you an example. Sal's mom, who I love, by the way, Helen, is amazing, best mother-in-law ever, right? She's incredible. One day, she was kind of telling me off for something that happened quite regularly, Right? And she, she'd been like the youth worker in our church for years and years and years. She did this thing called Campaigners. Some of you remember it. Some of you are like, what's that? Uh, it's like this old youth organisation. Fantastic thing. Campaigners was great. And uh, she'd been running this thing for years and been a youth worker for years. And she was a teacher. So kind of, she had a lot of expertise. And me, I think I must have been about 15. I went, problem with you, Helen. <laughs> You can see already, can't you? And she's taller than me anyway. Problem with you, Helen, is you don't know how to treat young people. <laughs> I knew all the right buttons to push. All the right buttons to push. Not good. We're friends now, by the way. It's okay. It took a while, but we are friends. I was going about my ordinary, everyday business, and I encountered a disciple. The disciples encountered Jesus, but I encountered a disciple. Unbeknown to me, that was the first time I would ever encounter somebody truly that was portraying Jesus to me. So I went to church, did the whole thing, thought it was awesome, and it was incredible. Now, I wasn't very well as a teenager. I had some, looking back on it now, I would say some mental health issues. I didn't know that at the time. It probably wasn't spoken about a lot at the time in terms of being a young man and having mental health issues. Um, and I didn't cope very well with things. So I turned to all kinds of stuff to kind of just get through. You know a little bit about my kind of background. Uh, it, it, it was more complicated than I want to share kind of in public. I'm happy to do it on a one-to-one -one level. Um, but it, it, it was really, really complicated. And it did a lot of stuff in my head and in my heart. And it made me possibly physically ill as well, I would learn later on. So it was quite difficult. And I really didn't know how to cope with it. But then all of a sudden, I was drawn into a place where people accepted me for who I was, who loved me, who invited me around for dinner on a Sunday. They're like, Believe it or not, I was quite skinny. 
and uh, I know, right? Uh, I was quite skinny and looked like I needed feeding up. So there was a few really, really nice people in my church that would kind of take me home for lunch every Sunday and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was amazing. They really, really looked after me. Guys, just on, on a bit of a, on a side note, if a young person comes into church and you just look after them a little bit, you just ask them how they are, just invite them around for dinner, but not in a weird way. On a Sunday, if you do all of those things, they're tiny things, but they mean so much. They keep people engaged. They keep people involved. They're really, really important. They're really important. And a few, I didn't encounter Jesus on that first day. I kept going to church. Some of the reasons I kept going to church, because there were some girls I liked. Being honest, there were some girls I liked. It was a nice, friendly place. Okay, they let me play drums from time to time as well, even though I, I, I really couldn't play. <laughs> I was like, why they let me do it? I've got no idea. I still don't know why they do. Um, but I was absolutely shocking. But they accepted me, every single part of me. When I had short hair, when I had long hair, when I had braids, when I had a mohawk. A mohawk. They just accepted me. Now, some of them didn't like my mohawk, but, you know... They just accepted me. I was going about my daily business and I bumped into Jesus. It took a while to bump into Jesus, but I did on a Sunday evening. I think the funniest part, I remember once I was in church and you know this, we use this word appeal sometimes, you know, when we get people to put their hands up at the end of a service and stuff like that and go, hey, we're going to pray and all that kind of stuff. And it's brilliant. We'll probably do it later. I remember one day we had a visiting speaker we had a visiting, and this time I had really long hair. And I put my hand up. I just, 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 you wouldn't get away with it now. It's terrible. And uh, the guy, oh, bless that young girl. He just put her hand up. And I'm a metalhead, right? So I'm like the furthest thing. I'm a proper metalhead. And I play rugby and stuff like that. And she's being referred to as that young girl on the front row that just put a hand up. Amazing. I'll get you back for that one day. <laughs> but I met Jesus. My I encountered Jesus. And let me tell you how Jesus kind of changed my life. We're going to do that in a minute. But first, we're going to read on. When they had finished eating that amazing barbecue on the beach for breakfast, I fancy doing that sometime. Anybody else? Oh, barbecue, fresh barbecued fish on the beach for breakfast. Who's ever done that? Anyone ever done that? Oh, I'm jealous. I know I shouldn't be jealous, but I am. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and when you... I went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. 
Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. That was Peter's second chance. Peter had messed up. Just to go back a little bit. Jesus said to Peter, you'll you'll deny me. And Peter's like, no, not a chance. I love you more than anything. I'm not going to deny you, Jesus. I would die for you. Guess what? He messed up. Time for some honesty, guys. Who's ever messed up? Who's messed up so far today at one point? Yeah, we love it, don't we? We we all do it. We all do it. And we sometimes learn. We sometimes learn. And sometimes it takes us more than once or twice to hear something and then learn. I messed up big time. So I met my wonderful wife. She wasn't my wife when I met her, obviously. It was like an arranged thing. Um... I met my wonderful wife when I, I think I was 15 and you were 14, 13. Bit of an age gap. Bit of an age gap. It's only a year, but it's just odd birthdays. Um, and I mean, we, we, our relationship's been just perfect all the way, all the time. It's been fun. No stories. Uh, no. So, uh, some of you may or may not know this, and I should have warned her really before I shared today, but I think most, some of you will know. So what happened is um, I am this scruffy little reprobate that comes into church, and Sal's dad is kind of Ollie, but on keys, and not quite as good looking. I haven't got beard envy of, of Jeff. I have a volley, all right? But he's, he's kind of, he looks after all the worship stuff and he's, and he's, he's brilliant, right? It's, it's absolutely great. And Helen, who is like youth leader extraordinaire and has been doing it for years and years and years. So these guys are held in very high regard in our church. And uh, Sally, as musical protege to her dad and also a really good connector of people was kind of the next big thing okay she was and then we went and got pregnant so guess who was really unpopular actually both of us but you know me more so because i just was and then we uh, it was it was it wasn't when she was 13 by the way just to it was a bit later on okay i'm a bad person right but not that bad Okay, it was a little bit later on. So Sal was 16 and I was 17. And uh, we found ourselves uh, pregnant with, with Jordan. We didn't know it was Jordan. But, you know, we, did, we found that out later. Um, and that was an interesting time. And come and talk to me if you want to know some really cool stories about that time. I'm not going to share because we haven't got time today. But it was bonkers. It's an absolutely bonkers time. So I made this, I made what was in my behaviour a mistake. In what's happened, not a mistake, because God doesn't make mistakes in that way, right? But in my behaviour, was a mistake. And and now we have a 27-year-old son. I know, I don't even look old enough, do I? You're supposed to say no. I'll feed you the lines myself if I have to. (laughs) 
So I've got this 27-year-old son who is incredible. He's gifted and talented and smart and poorly. But he's cool. He's really cool. And uh, then God blesses us with two more kids. And there was even miracles in those situations. We had Jordan and we, we made a mistake in our behaviours. Let me just make that very clear. In our behaviours only. Okay, we made a mistake. But we decided that even after that mistake, we just didn't have to carry on doing that. So we were believers in kind of, we wanted to get back to a position where God was pleased with us. So Sal remained with her mum and dad at home. I remained kind of sofa surfing. <laughs> I did that for a while. That was a fun lifestyle. So I did a little bit of sofa surfing and things like that. And, but we remained separate in that time. And so we are not going to get married because we have Jordan, uh, we wanted to make sure that we were going to get married for the right reasons, because God wanted us to be together. And it transpired that he did, and everything worked out. Again, really long story, I'm not going to share that with you this morning. But it was absolutely incredible what God did. And then we got married 23 years ago. I always remember that, guys. Do you know why I got married in the year, two th in the year 2000? So I'll always remember how long I've been married. <laughs> May the 27th. I don't remember many dates at all, but I do remember that one. It was the date of Newark Beer Festival. Um, date of my wedding, of course. Um, and we decided we want another child. Because like, hey, we can do this, no problem. And then when we were kids... And we weren't planning on stuff happening. We got pregnant so easy. And then when we were not kids, and we were married, and we wanted to do that, yeah. So we prayed, and prayed, and prayed, and prayed, and lots of other people prayed. And uh, Sal was down in a... I'm not going to share her whole story with you, because it's hers to share. She was down in uh, another church and somebody prayed for her. And we can trace the conception back to around that time where somebody laid hands on her and prayed for her. And it was just, it was phenomenal. It was amazing. She is an absolute miracle. I mean, that miracle has never shut up <laughs> since she was born. But she is. She is amazing. So that's my daughter, Kara. She's phenomenal. And then we had another one. It was just giant. Not sure where... We got him from. I didn't think I had any Nephilim kind of in the family, but but I'm pretty sure it's there somewhere. Okay, so we got this kid called uh, Reese, who's about six foot two, and built like a tank. Bless him, he's amazing. God is a God of second chances, isn't he? God gave Sal and I not just second chances. God gives each of us every day, not just second chances, but second and third and fourth and fifth. He's forever, ever gracious. Peter had messed up. Peter had got things wrong. Now, you might think, oh, if I was with Jesus, I would have never done that because I'm so cool. I would have just gone, no, I'm never going to deny you. And uh, I wouldn't have done it. And Jesus would have thought I was his best friend forever. If I'm honest... If I was fearing for my life, as he may well have been, as many of his followers may well have been, if he was fearing for his life and worried about his family and, and, and all of that kind of stuff, I don't know. 
I'd like to think maybe that I wouldn't do it. But I'm not naive enough to think that it would be an impossibility. I'm only human. I make mistakes. Not quoting Rag and Burma. I'm only human. I make mistakes. I get stuff wrong. But God is forever the God of second chances. God is the God that wants to give you a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth opportunity this morning. We're going to worship in a few minutes. So the guys are going to come up and get ready. And the reason we've done it like this today is because I want to go back to that word I used right at the start, which was encounter. I had an encounter with Jesus and he absolutely revolutionised my life. I went from being somebody with absolutely no prospects whatsoever. I grew up on this one estate in Newark called York Drive. And this was the extent of my vision for my life. I was going to get a job in the factory adjacent to the estate. It's literally just the other side of the estate. And I was going to get enough money from my job in the factory. And there's nothing wrong with working in a factory. Just let me say. Absolutely nothing wrong with it whatsoever. But my mindset was just in this one square mile. This was my life. And I was going to get a job there. And that was going to pay me enough rent to pay the rent on my council house or my flat in that place. My whole life mapped mapped for me. That was my expectation. That was my expectation of all of my siblings because we'd just been brought up in quite an insular and inward-focused family. That, that was it. God had other ideas. God has given me opportunities to do things and go to places I would never, ever have dreamt of. And more importantly than that, God has helped me to become the person I never thought I could become. I never thought I would become a decent husband. Now, don't ask her, because it depends what day it is, right? I'm not saying I'm the perfect husband, but I didn't run off like my dad. He's helped me to become a dad. And again, when my kids are here in the holidays, careful what day you ask them. I'm not a perfect dad. I get it wrong on a daily basis. But God has given me the opportunity to be the dad that I don't think I could have been without him. He doesn't do this because he's making, he tries to make his, his followers look good. It, it all points back to Jesus. It all points back to God. The whole thing points back to God. The purpose of, me, of all of that is not just to make me a better person. It's to make me somebody that reflects Jesus. So that people say, how have you done that? How have you managed to do that? Be, I haven't. I haven't earned what I have. None of us have. None of us have earned the salvation that we enjoy. None of us have earned the blessings that we have in our families. We can't earn those things. We are blessed with those things. Right back at the beginning, we were looking at who is Jesus through the book of John. 
And Jesus is all of these things to me and more. Jesus is the word. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the bridegroom. He's the living water. He's the saviour of the world. The prophet. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the door. He's the good shepherd. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is absolutely everything to me. I don't always live like it. I'm sometimes prideful. I sometimes think I've earned some of these things for myself. I sometimes just forget because I get busy. But Jesus is all of those things to all of us. Now, I'll be honest. My life was a mess. And my life is still sometimes a mess. Because I'm Alex. Not quite yet Jesus. <laughs> but God loves me. Hey, and if he can love me, he can certainly love you. And he does love you. And God wants to give you a second opportunity this morning. Maybe a third, a fourth, a fifth, the four hundredth. So we're going to spend a bit of time this morning worshipping. If you don't know what that is, that's just where we tell God what we think about him. We give worth. Before we do that, I want to give people an opportunity this morning. Listen, Jesus revolutionised my life. Absolutely revolutionised my life. I can confidently say... Not just I wouldn't be here now, but I wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for those things that Jesus has done and continues to do for me. He's absolutely, not just changed my life a bit, literally flipped it upside down, shaking it around a bit. And I want you to have that same experience. I want you to experience Jesus, not in exactly the same way, because that won't happen. But in the way that means your life will be flipped upside down, shaken, turned around and made to look awesome. Not so you look great. I don't look great. So that he looks as awesome as he is. And we point people towards Jesus. So we're going to say a prayer this morning. I'm going to put it on the back. So we're going to say the prayer this morning. And if you have said it, going to say this for the first time, I'd like you to let me know. So you remember that appeal thing I said earlier? I'd like... Do you know what I want to know? Because... I want to encourage you as you step out onto this journey. It's not always easy, but it is the most incredible thing you will do. And uh, I need to know so we can help you out. Okay. So we're going to read this together. Everyone's going to read out aloud. And then I'll give the opportunity for us to respond after that. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I have sinned against you. Thank you for dying on the cross to save me 
from the effects of my sin. You have done what I could never do by myself. I repent of my old ways and ask you to lead and guide me. With your help, I will live my life for you. I confess with my mouth and with my heart that you are Lord. Thank you for the salvation I receive and my eternity spent with you. Amen. Let's everybody bow our heads. Just before I hand over to the worship team, we're going to spend some time in some reflective worship again this morning. Guys, just enjoy that. If you want to stand, stand and sing. If you want to sit, just do that. Just enjoy being in God's presence this morning. Is there anybody that prayed that for the first time? I wants to make a commitment today and say, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to give this a go. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to risk it. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. That's all for now. We pray that you heard something that brought life to you today so that you may go and be the person that God called you to be. God bless you.